You're going to have to deal with the Chiefs. McCaffrey's going to get it, and he walks in. Touchdown, San Francisco. Here's Birdie looking, firing in. Oh, caught! Ayu, touchdown. And the ball came out. Ball is loose. Who's got it? The 49ers recover, and there it is. The 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. Mix Pick Sports Show. It's Tuesday morning, February 6th, and it's Mix Picks Sports uh, Show, including uh, Steve Mickelson with 2Ks and Mix and 2Ks and Picks for MixPicks.com. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. A quick programming note. Under normal circumstances, you'd be able to call us during uh, the live hour of the Mix Pick Sports Show, but the uh, storms in uh, Northern California, Northern Nevada area, have have shorted out something in the in the studio train. Our, our, our studios are all set. Steve and I are good. Everything's working here, but somewhere down the line with phone companies and things like that, you can't call in today, but you can email us, rad at radradio.com. This one just came in from Adam. It says, Rob, since the beginning of the Mix Pick Sports Show, I've noticed one major benefit of being on at 10 a.m. Pacific time. It seems that more often than not, you and Steve are covering a topic almost a full day ahead of the other national sports shows like Get Up or First Take, because a lot of the breaking news happens after they have aired live. I watch both of those shows, and almost always you have covered a topic a full day ahead of them. Well done. I love your show. True, we, we do benefit from being in that, that time frame where it's 1 p.m. Eastern time, a lot of news is breaking or has broken. I won't bore you with the other difference, all of the behind-the-scenes crap that it takes to put on TV. You gotta have producers, you gotta have everything planned, you gotta, you gotta have time to, unfortunately with those shows, you have to have time where you sit down and you go, okay, uh, skip, which, which, uh, which team are you gonna pick? Okay, well then I have to defend the other one even if I don't believe it. It's really unfortunately contrived. Steve and I don't do any of that. Steve, Steve and I just watch. We'll text each other things that we've seen, and then we just sit here and talk like we've always said. But two, your point, Adam, just came across. Uh, this, it, you won't hear about this until tomorrow morning. You may hear about it on the afternoon shows, depending on what you watch, because they have a little bit of time to prepare their comments. But it has just been confirmed, because there's been questions with his injury. Clayton Kershaw is coming back to the Dodgers. He won't play for the first half of the season because of uh, his, uh, his shoulder He's recovering from the off-season shoulder surgery. He's only ever played for the Dodgers. Uh, this will be his 17th year. Steve, the thing with Clayton Kershaw has always been the postseason. Uh, ERA is like four and a half. Uh, uh, it's like a 500 record. Of course, now he's what is he? He's uh, he's 36. I love Clayton Kershaw in the in the in the regular season and in the postseason. If I was a Dodger fan, uh, he ma- he makes me nervous. Uh, it didn't look like he was coming back, but word is they've worked out a deal and uh, he will be with the Dodgers. Yeah, there was a lot of talk of him going to the Texas Rangers. My understanding, though, is those talks really never developed. So it's, to me, it's no surprise he went back to the Dodgers. And and you bring up Clayton Kershaw's postseason record, but you do have to keep in mind that this year he probably, well, he's not going to be pitching until the second half of the season. Yeah. So he's going to go into the postseason with that 80 to 100 innings pitch. He's not going to be worn down through the – you know, dog days of August and everything else through the entire season. So hopefully, if you're a Dodgers fan, that he will be sharp come postseason. Obviously, the Dodgers are built to win this year, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see because the Dodgers still have a lot of questions in that starting staff. You know, Dustin May is still out for a bit. Walker Bueller, who missed last year, is going to be back. A lot of questions with the Dodgers starters. Well, and they, now they got Yamamoto. We got to wait and see about that. They got Glassnow, but Steve Kershaw's thirty-six. Now, depending on how he heals from this this shoulder surgery, how many years do you think he has left in him? Is this it? I, I don't think it's it. Okay, okay. Um, you know where I'm going with this. 
Yeah, I do. Next year, next year. I saw this this uh -huh. contract. I thought it was going to be like a three-year contract, but I'm like the Dodgers would be crazy to be giving out a three-year contract. So, and I, now, did you see anything? The last I saw was the details are unknown because I I want to know because you know I'm looking at Shohei and Kershaw in the Dodgers starting rotation a year from now. Yeah, and that's the part. The, the you know the Dodgers put so much money into Otani. You know, you look at it if he's solely a DH, which he's going to be this year. You know, yes, he's a great hitter, but you know, is he going to make that big of a difference for seventy million, or should I say, two million dollars a year? Uh, but you know, he hits that rotation. You know, Glass now has always been an elite pitcher in the majors as long as he's been healthy. His problem is, is he never seems to be able to stay healthy. Obviously, the Dodgers are hoping that he can. I wouldn't be surprised if L.A. starts looking at like a six-man rotation versus the mm. five-man rotation here just to try to keep the wear and tear on the arms of these players players who tend to be injury prone or a Kershaw who's you know when he comes back in the in the fall oh hey why why stop at a six-man rotation Steve why don't we make it a seven-day rotation on that seventh day we'll do this really cool thing and I'm being sarcastic because I hate this where we do the bullpen starts where, where we start the relievers and they, they they each throw three innings depending on how they're doing I mean let's let's just break it down if we want to really stretch this out and save everybody's arms because that is the thing I, is that an analytics thing? Is that where that started with these dumb relievers starting games? Or is it our, our starting rotation is so crappy that all we can do is start relievers? I think it's a combination of both. It, it the, 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 you know, the opener starter started because they didn't have the depth and, or, you know, the starting pitchers weren't healthy enough to fully go. But then the analytics started breaking it down because that's what it's turned into pitch counts. Hey, look, if I can put in a, you know, start a left-handed opener, say, and force the other team to either put in their lineup to face a lefty, but then when I pull the opener and I go to a right-hander, their lineup isn't as strong. So it became a strategic move for the most part on forcing teams to do one thing or another. The, the goal is obviously the opener comes in and goes one, two, three, and puts that other team at a disadvantage, and then they can figure it out from there. But my problem is, is when you watch the openers come out there and they give up four runs in the first inning, now you've totally blown it up. I, we knew it was a bullpen day, but, man, you just destroy your bullpen for that next day. I do realize I sound like an old man sitting on the uh, front porch with my rocking chair. I just wanted to vent a little bit. It, uh, look, it's Super Bowl week, so other than breaking news and things you can't avoid, uh, we got to talk about the Chiefs and the Niners. we got this email, rad at radradio.com, uh, from Logan, who says, I'm going to be honest, I am a draft guy. I love the NFL draft. How much draft talk will you guys do in the coming weeks? I think part of the reasons why we have the two teams we have in the Super Bowl is they drafted – how much do you think the NFL draft had an effect on the Chiefs and the Niners getting to where they are today? First things first, uh, yes, of course, the, the draft. So next Monday will be all about the Super Bowl and what we saw. Maybe even Tuesday, some trickling stuff, maybe waiting for retirement announcements or some sort of announcements from Mandy Reid, Travis Kelsey, other, other rumors out there. And then pretty soon... We do what NFL and sports fans do. We start looking towards next year. The next big thing will be the draft. We, we'll, we'll, we'll be talking about the draft. Initially, the, 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 I, I love the initial draft talk where we have no idea what we're talking about. And then when you get, when you get into late April where you're, where you're really starting to see the piece. So don't worry, Logan. We'll be talking about it. As for the – I mean, you could take the lazy answer of the draft's effect on the Super Bowl, and you could go to Brock Purdy. You could go right to, well, 
if the Niners hadn't said with the very last pick, we're going to take uh, this quarterback, where would the Niners be? I think what you mean more is the ability of, uh, if we start with the Niners in particular, the ability of John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan to identify talent. I, there are very, look, this isn't, the, this isn't Major League Baseball. I, I, I mean, Steve, I would have to think really hard about a successful NFL run that didn't involve some pretty impressive drafting. I mean, drafting really is the key. You know, Major League Baseball is hot stove, and even the NBA a little bit. you got to be able to draft in the NFL. Yeah, the NFL to me is the most important to be able to have, you know, to draft properly, have your player personnel, you know, at the top of their game. Because you need those players in their first contracts, the lower wages that those players earn, especially at a quarterback. We see that as so big in the NFL these days to get that quality quarterback who's on their rookie contract because you're able to spend at those other positions. You know, the NBA to me is all about really the free agency. Mm -hmm. The draft is there for a few players, but on the whole, it's much more about free agency and, you know, baseball has a big effect there, but, you know, take the Los Angeles Rams and, and, you know, the, the drafts that they've had, because they haven't had early draft picks. And this last year, they were there because of the players they took in the third, fourth, fifth round. The 49ers were o- able to overcome their mistake with Trey Lance. Ugh. I mean, they gave away multiple first-round picks, traded up for Trey Lance, who's no longer even with the team. So they had to make up for it, and we don't notice that like you would with a regular team. So kudos to the 49ers for it because they're able to overcome it, and we just kind of dismiss and go, ah, yeah, they missed there. But think about that. A a team drafting a quarterback with a fourth pick in the draft, trading multiple first-round picks, he's a bust, he does nothing for you, and you're still sitting in the Super Bowl, you know what, two, three years later? That's incredible what the job that Lynch has done. And as we okay, so as we look forward to Sunday's game, Steve, we did a little bit yesterday. Obviously, we're gonna keep picking at this thing as as we head towards Friday's show. And we talked we talked about the Niners on defense, that their their pass uh, defense their their pass rush defense uh against Mahomes and and they've gotta be able to, as we were saying yesterday, they've gotta be able to put four and give pressure to Mahomes. We we're doing the whole thing on the Niners defense. I was thinking about it in reverse yesterday, and I thought about you, and I'm getting nervous. Now, I know that part of this is I'm a Niners fan. And you know, better than anyone, sports fans know when your team is involved, you lose sight of the logic and the objectivity. A little bit, if not a lot of it. And I know that you, you've picked the Niners the whole time. You've never wavered. But something you said is what made me nervous when I started looking at it the other way. The Chiefs' Achilles heel on defense is the run defense. Overall, they got a pretty good defensive scheme, and Spags is one of the best uh, defensive coordinators in, in, in the business. But they have had a lot of trouble against the, the, the run this year. And I go back to what you said about Kyle Shanahan's stubbornness. And here's, here's, what, here's, the, here's the thing that came to my mind yesterday, how it played out. Shanahan, I, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to outsmart everybody. I don't know what Spags is doing, obviously. Shanahan's going to come out and pound the run. He's going to pound McCaffrey. He's going to try to break down that, that the Chiefs defense that is already vulnerable to the run. And then the whole, oh, it opens up the passing game. My concern with this is, Steve, he has got to get Brock Purdy involved early. We, the, the, the Niners cannot rely on Purdy doing what he's done against the Packers and against your Lions where he suddenly wakes up late in the game because you cannot let Mahomes get, big, get up big on you. And the, more I, and the more I played it through in my mind, the more I started thinking, if they don't at least let Purdy get some drop-offs, get some screens, get some slants in those first 15 plays, 
it, regardless of what McCaffrey's doing, unless McCaffrey breaks when it goes down, I don't like that beginning. So I'm going to let you tell me why I should not be nervous about that. That about about Shanahan going down that road. I think this game is huge for Shanahan too. I mean, he still has that going back to the Falcons and how mm. they blew that huge lead. So he's trying to establish himself as an elite coach in the NFL. We all believe he is, but he needs to take this next step. I have faith. I think they're going to be able to run the ball. I, I got to believe they're going to give Purdy some nice, safe throws, some layups to get him comfortable early on in the game. Get the jitters out. He's going to yes. be nervous. It's only his second year. Just give him some nice, easy throws to get his confidence going. And at that point, just let the 49ers offense do what it does. My concern is Mahomes coming out quick and the Chiefs getting up because this Chiefs team this year has done really well in the first half and has, has you know, struggled at times in the second half. And if the 49ers go down 10, 14 points, mm -hmm. where they were able to against the Lions to come back and win the game, I'm not sure they can against a Chiefs and a Patrick Mahomes team. What, what this, this That emailer about how being on at 10 a.m. it has some advantages. So while we're doing yesterday's show, this story broke about the, the Niners practice facility. They arrived on Sunday and yesterday they were at UNLV and they and they had put down, I guess they had put down the grass over turf to, because – Allegiant plays on grass, or do I have that backwards? Allegiant plays on grass, but UNLV, when they play in Allegiant, plays on turf. So UNLV's practice facility is turf because that's what they play on in Allegiant when they're playing their home game. So when so the story breaks and it, it, the, the hardness level is supposed to be 70 or over, and no, UNLV's at 50, and you and I are speculating, wait a minute, this could be a big deal because the, the, the Chiefs, the Chiefs are the designated home game because they just rotate that, which I think that's stupid. Where you, I don't know why the, the, the highest seed doesn't get the, the home field advantage, quote, quote, at the Super Bowl, but whatever. So so they get to practice at the, the Raiders practice facility. So the Niners are over at UNLV, and we're like, oh, and all day yesterday, people are saying, oh, you've got to split time at the at the Raiders practice. They've got to practice at the same place. And, and, and then it's fine. Like the story just disappeared. And, and and there was there was this a little joking back and forth where I, I think it was Debo had his press conference first. I might have this backwards, but and, and he was asked about the, the practice field and he said, Go ask Kyle. And then they asked Kyle Shanahan and he said, Go ask Debo. None of nobody's addressing it. There's a rumor that the NFL told the 49ers to shut up about it. I I, I, I really I, I what happened? I do you have any you you're really good at conspiracies with this stuff. What do you think happened here? I would lean towards the NFL said, look, this is the Super Bowl. We don't want to make this a big part of this week and the game. Let it go. Deal with it. Figure it out. That's what I think. The NFL came down with the heavy hand and said, enough's enough. Let it go. Figure it out. And the Niners would just go, oh, okay. I mean, they, because the big shield would come and get them. Well, because there's know, a story there a week and everything else. And I'm hoping they did figure something out because I would love to see the, the Super Bowl play in Las Vegas like every four to five years, you know, become a regular stop. I think Las Vegas has so much to offer with the rooms, the food, the entertainment. I mean, everything is here. So I want it to be a regular stop on the NFL Super Bowl list. But you don't want it to start off bad. And I think Vegas is going to do it right. I think it's going to be a spectacular show and week leading into it. 
And so me personally, I'm glad it kind of went on the back burner, but I do believe the NFL <laughs> said enough's enough. Let it go. The um, uh, Vegas should immediately go in that rotation uh, with New Orleans, Miami. Those. Yeah. I, 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 for so many reasons, you and I have talked about it and we'll, we'll continue to, to talk about it. That, that was just, uh, and I know that in it, lending credence to your theory, you know, Goodell uh, was uh, Commissioner Roger Goodell was pretty vocal yesterday about how they've had 23 experts uh, go uh, to a UNLV uh, before the Niners even arrived. I did hear a story, too, uh, which was confirmed that the Niners had their own team experts at UNLV a week ago. And a lot of people were saying, well, if there was a problem, why didn't you say something? Um, but the, the 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 story was such a big deal until it wasn't. And that was a, that was a that was a head spinner right? that I was just like, OK, I don't know why that that seeped out. And, and by the way, just we bounce around. Like you said, it's media week. So we're getting all the interviews out. Can we stop everybody with anointing Patrick Mahomes as the greatest NFL quarterback of all time? I, this is this is getting out of hand with the sports media, not at, at, on two levels. One, some people are already arguing he's in the conversation, which, OK, I mean, he's got he's got the two rings. And it looks like he sure should eventually, because you and I were talking earlier this week. You're not in the conversation for greatest quarterback of all time unless you've at least won a ring. And more rings, the better, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and he was asked about it as well. And Patrick Mahomes did what he should. He said, I don't even have half as many as Tom Brady, so I'm not even thinking about it. But can we slow the roll? Just This is what we do, I know. But is Mahomes, okay, is Mahomes in the top 10 for you right now, all time, if his career ends this Sunday? No, I think he's slightly outside of it. And he has the potential yes. to be the greatest of all time. No one's denying that. But you have to play a full career. You, you have to be more than six, seven years into it. You know, let's see what he does. I, I mean, look at Mark Sanchez. He started off the Jets yeah. and he took the Jets to like, what, two straight AFC championship games. We were thinking he was going to have a great career too. And nothing happened there. He regressed and wasn't the same and i don't think that's going to happen to patrick mahomes i believe and i've said it all year i think he's magic he is unbelievable to watch he makes things happen i think he has that potential but come on you got to give him you know he's got to win a couple more rings he's got to play a good five ten plus more years he, he he needs to finish up a career and sustain it throughout his entire career not just a window of five or six years. Speaking Okay, so speaking of Brady, um, finally, Kyle Shanahan has confirmed a few rumors that have been floating around for the last five years that to a lot of us were like so obvious, but you couldn't get anybody to go on the record. Tom Brady grew up in the Bay Area. Joe Montana was his hero. Uh, and then, and when he left the, uh, the Patriots, there were all these rumors. And when he came out of retirement, there were all these rumors. Uh, would he wind up in San Francisco playing for the team of his youth? And, and we never really got any word on that now a lot of these guys when they do these interviews we know they're only giving us what they want and there was a lot of word salad mumbo jumbo where Kyle Shanahan was on with Peter King uh, and he did admit Kyle Shanahan admitted he wanted Tom Brady and we don't know we don't know why the signing didn't happen but they were close enough that they were talking, which as a 49er fan, it makes me think about what could have been, what might have been, why wasn't it have been. Um, and of course, while Shanahan's doing it, I, the, the snippets I heard, he's talking about, oh, how great Brock Purdy is. Everything works out uh, for a reason. But it looks like we can at least check the box, Steve. Yeah, Brady wanted to go to the Niners. The Niners wanted him. It just didn't happen. 
I personally am glad it didn't happen. You know, I, I was disappointed that Brady came out of retirement once he announced his retirement, but I was not surprised. I, I would have looked a little bit differently at him if he had come out again, you know, to play for the 49ers. And Shanahan has to say that stuff about Brock Purdy, et cetera. The last thing you want is something like this. And, and Brock Purdy had to be aware of it as he came out and said he was aware of it. You don't want to tear down your young quarterback. The Niners need him. They need him to be confident, want to play for the organization and not say, look, you've already given up on me. Get me out of here. So they had to do what they did. I'm glad it came out and I'm just waiting to hear what, and why it didn't come to be? Yeah, I, I, yeah. It's a, uh, I want. I want. I want to hear Brady's take on it too. What what his angle is uh, as well. Let's 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 kind of end this segment where we began. Back the, the the Logan who asked about the draft and such. This is your account, Steve, for the most part. Uh, Brad wrote in, says uh, Rob, what do you and Steve think about Blake Corum from Michigan? You're a Michigan fan, Steve. My, before you answer that, I have I have a I have a question. What is the state of the running back in the NFL these days? Christian McCaffrey aside, because he's so much more than a running back, although he's amazing. I remember the heyday of the 80s and 90s, the Roger Craigs of the world and everyone else. You had to have a 100-yard per game running back to open up the pass game to to dominate. And now, yeah, it's a quarterback league, but the running running backs are you get your two or three big names every season. They're not the commodity they were once, and I don't. I can't tell if they're if it's cyclically coming back yet. I don't think it's quite there yet. The value of the running back when we saw it this last off season just isn't there. It, it's the draft a running back. You know, you have them for five years. After the third year, you draft another one to be the you know the co-running back there let the contract expire let the first guy go away because you're never sinking big money into that running back position for the most part i think we all uh, can agree to a certain extent that they only have so many carries in them their body takes such a pounding and the last part is which i think is the most important part is the nfl's rule changes and everything has done has become so offensive minded that why are you worrying about, you know, three yards and a, you know, a cloud of dust, just throw the ball. It, it's opened up. You can't touch them. You have the space. It, it's become such an offensive game that yes, you do need a running back. It is very important to be able to run it, but nowhere near back to the day when you and I grew up with the Earl Campbell's of the world, mm. You know, the Walter Paytons, the Tony Dorsett's, the Barry Sanders, the Emmett Smiths. I mean, I can go on and on and on that you knew these guys were getting 25 to 30 carries a game. You needed them to go over 100 yards to set your offense up, which then opened up the passing game. It's not that way anymore. It, it's all about the pass. And then you need to keep them honest with the run. So uh, with uh, Blake Corum, the only thing I know about Blake Corum, quite honestly, is that he he's got this great reputation. He gives back to the community. He's 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 known as a really good kid, and you just know that from just being a sports fan. He's a he's a great running back. He did declare for the draft. Uh, I mean, I, I do running backs even go in the first round anymore, Steve? No, for the most part, that's that's what you hear is a lot of teams' rules, unless you are a great exception you know we saw the lions draft jameer gibbs you know but you, but you need the adrian peterson type you know saquon barkley and and barkley's been somewhat of a disappointment because he hasn't been able to stay fully healthy throughout his career but when he's on the field you know he's a great running back 
my concern with Blake Corum is just his size. You know, he's able to run between the tackles, which is what you want in a running back. He's fast. He knows how to score touchdowns. But you do have to keep in mind, this past year, I believe that Michigan had the best offensive line in college football, and they've always been one of the best offensive lines. What's he really going to be able to do if he goes to a team that has a poor offensive line? I think there's potential, and and I'm reaching here, you know, but he could be a Christian McCaffrey type wow, because he can catch the ball. But there's so few Christian McCaffreys, I'd have to bank that he's not going to be long before I would say, you know, he could be Christian McCaffrey because McCaffrey's just so elite. And those kind of running backs don't come off along that offense. I still remember the moment uh, when uh, your Detroit Lions drafted uh, Jameer Gibbs and it wasn't long before I was getting the angry rage text from you that you couldn't believe your team had wasted a first-round pick on a running back. <laughs> and I do. I fall into that. But but my part, and don't get me wrong, I like where the Lions are going, and I chalk it up to they're going to the toughness and the physical. But you have – you you draft – Gibbs with the first round pick and you trade, you know, Swift for a fourth round pick. Well, Swift's a pretty good running back in this league. You trade Hawkinson to the Vikings, you know, during the year, the prior year, during the season at the trade deadline. And I believe they get a fourth round pick for Hawkinson, you know, and they go out and they draft Laporta. Laporta had a fantastic year. It's great, but it's that, you know, is Laporta that much better that you're using a first round pick on him as opposed to a Hawkinson? And is Gibbs that much better than Swift? But this is where I think the the money part that we tend to forget about plays into it because Hawkinson's got to get paid. Swift is at the point he wants to get paid a little bit. And you can bring in these rookies at, you know, rookie salaries. But that's where my question was is, you know, are you that much of an upgrade for first-round picks? Come on. Uh, so we got Sacramento Kings wrapped up their uh, road trip uh, yesterday. We're going to uh, look at uh, what's ahead for them. And uh, there's a huge expose on the rumor that we've been talking about. Will Andy Reid retire after Super Bowl Sunday? And uh, we'll tell you what they're saying, yes or no, after this. Mix Picks, the Mix Picks Sports Show. So, Steve, I asked you last week uh, if it mattered to you, especially uh, in the betting world, uh, who the uh, who the refs were going to be, and you really said not not so much uh, for the Super Bowl. Does it matter? See, it, it, I know it matters to fans, and I'm a horrible fan in this sense, which I'll explain. But does it matter to you at all for any reason the uniforms? Like, do you give that any thought? Uh, like, what uniforms the teams are wearing? Yeah. Uh, a little bit really? just because there's certain teams that I like to wear in certain uniforms. You know, I, I love the USC UCLA game back when Pete Carroll was there and, you know, they got the penalty because both came out in their <laughs> colors and they weren't permitted to. So be, both teams got an unsportsmanlike conduct. So I love seeing that. Uh, but on the whole, it, you know, I, I'm not, Oh, I want to see the Cowboys in white or I want to see them in blue. It's really not that big a deal to me. I guess, I guess the better way to uh, to posit it is whether or not it matters to the players. I mean, athlete, professional athletes are some of the most superstitious people on on the planet. And this is where I mean I'm a terrible sports fan. Is I don't, I I just don't fall prey to the I have to wear a certain jersey or my team won't win thing. Like I have any effect over the over the game. But I do know that it can get into the players' heads. I mentioned in our last segment the Chiefs are the home team for the Super Bowl just because it was going to be the AFC uh, team, and they chose their their home jersey. So the Chiefs will be in red. The Niners will be in white. Uh, and I know Niner fans are like, oh, man, we're red and gold. Oh, okay, well, whatever. But do, it does, 
do the players care? I mean, once you get you were talking about Brock Purdy earlier and and how he's going to be nervous because it's only his second year. Kurt Warner had been in, had been playing football for how many years, and he talks all the time about how nervous he was that first snap. They, they, these guys, they have other things to worry about than the color of their jersey. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is it. One game to determine the world champs. That's that's what your entire professional sports career was about. Hoping to get the chance to play in a game and then to win that game. You know, that's everything to these athletes. Yeah, I just don't believe that Debo Samuels looks down at his white sleeve and goes, oh, man, I just I'm not feeling it today. Uh, but uh, the fans are. And, oh, I, oh, so the big question is for fans. If Allegiant Stadium is all red, does that mean it's all Chiefs fans? Or is it Niner fans not wearing white? Hmm. I would think it's going to be Niners and Chiefs fans both wearing the red because that's the team color. And I I would be surprised if, as a fan, I can tell you, I would never be wearing white because, oh, well, that's the color that the 49ers are wearing today. I don't think of color coordinating anything. I leave that to my wife. <laughs> I just wear, hey, look, this is the shirt I want to wear, or the jersey I want to wear. Yep. I'm not worried about, oh, well, what are they exactly going to be wearing on the field? That thought never even crosses no. my mind. The only way we're going to know uh, if the, the percentage of fans for each team is when they cheer, because you're right. It's going to be a sea of red. Uh, no surprise here, the American Gaming Association uh, has announced, obviously, record betting uh, this year for the uh, Super Bowl. Got two-thirds of American adults living in jurisdictions with legal sports betting. More than $20 billion is expected to be at stake when the Super Bowl kicks off on Sunday. You got 70 million American adults, that's 26% of the uh, population, that are going to combine on over $23 billion for the Super Bowl this year, all of those uh, are records. Caesars uh, just reported late last week they took a million-dollar bet on the 49ers to win the game straight up. I don't know that that's the biggest one. It's just the one that's being talked about a lot. There's no surprise, as you've been talking about, 38 states, if I keep remembering right, have legalized sports betting. And uh, people people just, this is the thing. When you bet, you have a vested interest. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, obviously the more states – the more batting there is, the more records we have. The Super Bowl has always been the biggest sporting event. You know, it's just now it's more legal. So we see these bigger numbers because it's all coming through legalized sports books. But you can't tell me that, you know, there wasn't a decent amount bet illegally that we were not able to track in the past. Um, uh, Robert just wrote in, uh, wanted to know about uh, if the Chiefs win on Sunday, do they become a dynasty? Yeah, they do, right? Yeah, you're looking at what three in like six years. I think you got to start going that route. Um, plus, with two in a row because they won last mm -hmm. year, you know, two consecutive three. I think you you got to start looking at them as a dynasty. Yes, which brings us all the way back to the Andy Reid rumor and and uh, whether or not. So, okay, here, here's how I lump this in. This all started with us with the Bill Belichick thing, as it looked more and more like Belichick wasn't going to land a job. And the big rumor is, to fast forward through all the fun stuff, we'll get to that eventually, is that Belichick is all lined up to go to Fox. And and, and part of that is Tom Brady's going to be at Fox. Gronkowski's already there. They are both lo they both lobbied Fox uh, for uh, Belichick. And apparently the idea is that Belichick would wind up in the studio, maybe replace Jimmy Johnson, or he'd be there half the time because Jimmy Johnson's getting up there in age, already retired once, and, and would he retire again? 
etc. The, the 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 question that a lot of people have, including me, is why hasn't that been announced yet? Then and and is it does it tie into this possible thing of Andy Reid will retire after uh, this this Super Bowl? And so I saw this. I saw this is big homepage ESPN story. Why Andy Reid will be coaching the Chiefs for the foreseeable future. That's the headline. And, and the whole thing is our premise. They don't mention Belichick. But Reid's been in the league like 25 years. He's been to, what, this is his fifth Super Bowl. He's won four. Um, and, and he has a bucket list. that I, I saw in the article he wants to climb Mount Everest. He wants to do something else. Like, everything leans towards, yeah, maybe he would. And the only source they cite for why he's not going to is Mahomes, who says, oh, that guy loves football. He loves football and fries. He doesn't do anything else. There's this famous story that Andy Reid rents a house in California on the ocean in the offseason, but all he does is he watches plays and everything. This didn't pour cold water on the rumor to me at all. And, and I, I, Steve, I'm leaning towards if the Chiefs win, I think I still think more and more he and Kelsey both retire. I think if the Chiefs lose, I, I'm not sure that Kelsey will. Um but I, I, I just I, maybe I'm falling into too many conspiracies where I think, okay, Belichick hasn't announced. There's this Andy Reid thing. Uh, uh, Travis Kelsey wants to retire with Jason, who hasn't actually retired yet, and they're both waiting. This is part of the juicy off the field stuff. Oh, absolutely! All of this is going on, and you know, yesterday a couple of sources were bringing out Eric Bieniemy, who was mm-hmm. let go by the Commanders, is now he is lined up to become the Chiefs' next head coach. So there, there's a lot of parts there. I believe if the Chiefs win, I, I do think Andy Reid is going to step away. I, I I wouldn't blame him for that. He's won two straight Super Bowls. It'd be a great way to go out on top. I think the only way he comes back is if he seriously believes they can win it next year, which I'm not convinced that they really can. So I if you made me pick, I would say he's going to walk away at the end of this year. And I would love to see Belichick end up there. I don't know if he will. Uh, but I would also, even more than seeing him end up with the Chiefs, I'd love to see Belichick in the studio. That's what I'm waiting for. I want to see the real Belichick on the air talking football and allowing everyone to see who he really is because, you know, I think he's gotten a bad rap for many, many, many years just because of the success of the Patriots. So these 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 rumors about Andy Reid walking away, I, I, I think if you look at it just from the football angle, obviously the Chiefs would be I, – I don't know why it's phrased in this way that it would be so devastating for the Chiefs. They still have the foundation of the team that they've built. They still have Mahomes, and they also have the possibility of Belichick. I, you know, again, I, I find it hard to believe that if any of this is possible, there haven't been some conversation somewhere. Even if it's just as simple as Andy Reid calling up Bill and going, hey, man, you know what? I'm not sure. So maybe don't make any moves until after Super Bowl Sunday. Okay, Belichick, greatest coach of all time. He can walk in. He's not of the system. But, he, boy, does he have an embarrassment of riches of, of uh, talent there. You mentioned the enemy who knows the whole system. And then there's Spagnola, who I don't know if he's going to be around with the Chiefs. Um, next season, given how impressive he's been, yes, their run defense not as good. They, I, I wouldn't worry about the Chiefs' ability to continue on at all if Reed retired. I don't think so. I think Reed has done a wonderful job at building that franchise. And you have Patrick Mahomes. I, I mean, I as long as you have Patrick Mahomes playing for him, 
they're going to be in contention every single year. You just hope they have enough good players to surround him to keep him competitive. And, and I think they have enough in place that if he walks away, they will remain competitive in the NFL. There's another franchise, another organization. But the the Patriots are the the nuclear example where how what a punchline they were before Bill Belichick. It was only what six years ago. Or so where the Chiefs were a punchline, maybe more like seven or eight. I mean, Kansas City was a horrible franchise for a while until Andy Reid showed up. Yeah, they were. You know, they were good in the 60s and into the 70s. Uh, but, yeah, they hadn't been good there for quite a while. And, you know, I lean back to Alex Smith going there, and they became pretty decent uh, during the time, you know, Marcus Allen was there, you know, Joe Montana went there and and so the Chiefs have had some good seasons you know but they just couldn't sustain it they weren't like five six seven years in a row a good playoff team they'd have their couple of seasons here and there and uh, would fall back down to the pack and now they're spoiling their fan base uh, all because of this guy named Mahomes we'll take a break and be right back mix picks the mix pick sports show The Mix Pick Sports Show. Got a hot take? Email us at rad at radradio.com. Uh, we got this one during the break from Steven. Now, I don't know I don't know what Steven does. I don't know what he means by his customer just bet the game, meaning the, the Super Bowl. Like, did he make a bet with Steven or whatever? Either way, I haven't even gotten close to, to contemplating what a score for the Super Bowl might be. And I, I don't know. I might have to recuse myself as a Niner fan, but I don't like this prediction at all for so many obvious reasons. Steven says, I just had a customer bet the game will be 27 to 14 Chiefs. That sounds like an awful Super Bowl to me for all the all the reasons of the Niners losing. It doesn't sound like a very good game. Blech. Do you have a score yet in mind? Uh 27-21 49ers. Now, that 27-21 in in your scenario as of right now and we'll we'll have to pin each other down on Friday. Is that a close game? Is that a the Niners are up and then the Chiefs come back a little bit or I mean I I asked for personal reasons. I think the game will be fairly close. I I would what I'm hoping for is the 49ers get up early. The Chiefs just kind of, you know, like the Niners seven, Chiefs seven, Niners ten to seven, you know, something like that. Niners seventeen seven, seventeen fourteen, twenty to fourteen, you know, twenty one twenty, twenty seven. 20 league changed there late to get the 49ers some excitement yeah and it's always uh it's it, when it's your team in the in the super bowl that's the only time you don't want it to be a close game you want it to be uh the niners beat the broncos 55 10 otherwise i'm right there with you sounds like a great game um but it, yeah, you, you want to reminisce about those those days of joe montana just pounding but you had those with the broncos you had it over the chargers you know. you you know were those games really that exciting no they were not everyone was watching only the commercials <laughs> like halfway through the second yeah. quarter and now they've taken that away from us because all the commercials are already available on the internet so you, you, there's you're, there's no there's no anticipation uh by the way if you're uh, if you're uh, watching us on rad tv if you're listening on uh, 104.7 fm 890 am in sacramento uh, as soon as steve and i wrap up in about 10 minutes tech to you tuesday hosted by ian uh will be uh, on as uh, as well so I, I i'm i was working yesterday afternoon and i can't keep track of everything that's on all the time so fortunately i have great friends who uh, one of whom texted me 
uh, the, are you watching the Kings game? Uh, Sabonis is about to have a triple-double, and it's not even half yet. So by the time I got the message and I, I got the, the Kings game on, it was halftime. It was like four minutes in, I think, uh, where Sabonis ha has a triple-double. And I'm, I'm cooking at this point, so I'm barely paying attention. And then I, I look up, and I'm like, Sabonis has a triple-double, and they are getting their asses kicked. And in, in the end, it felt like to me, look, I mean, look, it, it, the Kings are done with, the, what, they went four and two? On the, on the road trip, five and five and two. Um, that's good. That's good. And, I mean, the Cavaliers are a great team. I, I think they had a good road trip, but they really did look outmatched. I don't know if they were tired, um, I, I, but I didn't, like I said, I didn't see the first half. I know Mitchell had a hell of a game, uh, but uh, the, the, I, 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 the Kings, they played well. I'm not disappointed, you know. And they had a good road trip. They go five and two on a road trip. I'm more than willing to say that if you asked them prior to that road trip, hey, will you take five and two? They'd say, give me five and two. We don't even have to go out. We'll just continue from there. But, you know, when you hit the NBA, the Cavs are a really good team. I mean, they're playing great basketball right now. They're 18 and eight at home, and they shot over 50% from three-point land. They shot, you know, over 50% for the game. The Kings still continue to somewhat struggle from the three-point line. They shot 38% last night. It, it's tough to beat a team when they're shooting over 50% from three-point land and you're shooting in the mid-30s. Just chalk it up. Cavs are a good team. They had a successful road trip. Move on to the next game. Not Nothing bad to take out of there. Sabonis, so another great game. You know, Barnes put up 22, Fox 19. So it wasn't that they didn't play well. They just didn't shoot anywhere near as good as the Cavs did. Yeah, they had six players in double digits. Uh, but, yeah, that shooting percentage has to come up. And, and the Kings have the ultimate elixir. Uh, tomorrow night they they play your Detroit Pistons in the, in Sacramento. So we'll pre I can't wait to see what the spread on that is uh, tomorrow when we preview that game. Yeah, those are always really nice get well games. Yeah. Play the Pistons. <laughs> you know you're going to score because they don't play a lot of defense, and uh, it's a really good get well game. So we were talking yesterday the four and two road trip that I was thinking of uh, uh, was the Lakers. Uh, they went out they beat the they beat the Hornets and. I saw this morning. Uh, I think it was uh, is it ESPN. They, you know, the trade deadline is uh, Thursday at uh, noon our time, three p.m. Eastern, and their headline was the the uh, ranking the teams facing the most pressure this week with the trade deadline. Now, Steve, I don't, I do not know the ins and outs of of the NBA at all. I mean, the first thing I thought was, is there an opening for the Sixers with Embiid being out? Which, by the way, update they're saying at least four weeks. So maybe it's not if if it's. I mean, they say at least if it's a month. Maybe it's not as important. And I'm not suggesting you can replace the, the reigning MVP of, of the NBA with, with a trade. Uh, but that was the one I th – the Sixers didn't make their list for the top five, but the Lakers did. In fact, they said the Lakers are the team that most need to make a move. LeBron already shot down that he's not going anywhere. He was asked, do the Lakers need to make a move after uh, last night's game? And he said, that's not a question for me, alluding to – Go ask uh, the front office. Yeah, we just last week were saying the Lakers, they're not a good, great team. And then, then they go out on this four and two road trip. Are they on the hot seat in your opinion to make a, to make a move? I, I think they need to make a move. The, their window's more now with LeBron up there in age. You know, Anthony Davis is up there. They don't, you know, they don't have the depth that they've had in the past. They need to do something. We saw them last year. They were really active at the tread trade deadline pretty much overhauled their entire roster and then made a nice playoff run. I don't think fans or anyone's going to be satisfied if the Lakers don't go and make a couple of moves, 
going into this to try to strengthen their team because if they don't make a move, they're not going anywhere. Okay, well, wouldn't the exact same analysis apply to the Warriors? I think the Warriors' window, for the most part, is closed. I'm not, you know, for the Warriors to go make a move, they're going to have to move some of their younger talent. They move that younger talent. It's just going to make it a lot worse when you hit your rebuild. So for me, I think the Warriors got to accept what they have. Um, and if anything, the Warriors, I, and not that you, Clay Thompson has a lot of value, but he's not having a good year. So you're not going to get what you would believe to be true value for him. I think you kind of got to wait till the end of the season. And, and I see the Warriors at the end of this year, start that sell off. If they don't already start it in, you know, Right now, before the trade deadline, you're going to see the the young kids start playing a lot more. I think the Warriors realize that their window is closed. And my big question remains with that is whether or not Steve Kerr sticks around uh, for the for the rebuild. Is there a team that jumped out to you? Like, like right away, I didn't even give it any thought. I just said, well, the Sixers are in a lot of trouble. But it, was there a team that when I said the NBA, I mean, is it, was it the Lakers? Or was there, was there a different team? This is the team that has to make a move. I think the Lakers have to just because they're – aging team they they you know they need to win now their fan base expects it i would love to see you know a, a couple of these teams like okc they are a lot of fun to watch a lot of good young talent but you know if they can pick up a good veteran player to go with that team i'd love to see what they could do the clippers are playing great basketball if they can just add you know something to help them off the bench would be nice um, you know, and the Knicks, I mean, Julius Randle is down, but the Knicks are playing really good basketball right now. They did lose their last game, but they're nine and one in their last 10. I think there's some teams that probably should make a move, but before you do, you got to evaluate, do we believe we can win a championship and does it make our team better long-term if we cannot I think to just chase it and, hey, look, we need to make the playoffs and maybe win the first round. To me, I've never been a fan of a team trading for that kind of goal. So it's interesting. So for um, ESPN's uh, top five of the teams that have to make a move, they, they like I said, they had the Lakers at, at number one. Um, I threw out the Warriors of my own volition. They have they have the Warriors on there, and I, I, I didn't have time to read how they justify it because I'm with you. I think the Warriors are – are done uh, in terms of uh, where they're headed. Let's see. Thanks for Benjamin. Chris Paul and Clay Thompson come off the books. Uh, that's all. St- uh, uh, that's all salary cap stuff. But the other three teams, none of, of who you mentioned. They say uh, the teams that need to make a trade before Thursday at noon are the Phoenix Suns, the Timberwolves, and the Bulls. Well, the Bulls would be moving players out. I, I don't think anybody's looking at the Bulls. We're going to bring players in. I mean, they're sitting at the ninth seed right now, 23-27. Yeah. Uh, but they have a couple of pieces that are nice that would work very well for other teams there. Uh, the Suns, I just want to see, you know, the 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 Suns team play together longer term. They, they A lot of injuries there, so we didn't get to see Durant with – you know, and that full lineup there. I'm not sure there, you know, the Kings to me, I'd love to see him add some bench. I'm just not sold on the bench. Mm-hmm. You know, Monk, I like him coming off the bench, but you look at it last night and their bench, I don't know, five for 18 or something like that shooting. I think they need a little bit more production from their bench. So I would love to see the Kings make a move because, you know, the West is a tough conference, but 
the Kings are starting to make a name for themselves. And if they're ever plan on bringing in any free agents, you know, and becoming, Hey, look, we're a franchise that can compete in the NBA. I think they need to have another strong season this year and win, you know, at least their first round of the playoffs to continue to build at what they started last year. And uh, by the way, I, I had some time to, to glance over this. Uh, the, the reason the Bulls are on the ESPN list of, of teams that need to make a trade is exactly what you said. Dump some players off. They cite the Clippers and the Celtics as pop possible landing spots for a few of their guys, maybe the Kings uh, as well. The Warriors, though, their argument is that they that the, that they can still salvage the season and then figure out how to move forward. And I, 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 I didn't, like I said, I'm doing this on the fly. I, I don't see the the genius behind behind that pick at all. Yeah, I just don't see it. I mean, the other night, Steph Curry goes for 60 against the <laughs> Hawks. They still get beaten over time. I, I just, I, I, going into the season, I had hopes that maybe the Warriors could find that magic again. Watching them play this year, to, to me, they are a rebuild. And the sooner they realize it, I think the better off they will be. Three more shows until the Super Bowl. Steve, I'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Thank you. Mix. 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 High fly ball into right field. Mix. She is gone. Mix. Yes, sir. Mix. 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 You believe in miracles? Yes. Mix. The Mix Pick Sports Show.